You're listening to Prosperous Coach Podcast with host Rhonda Hess, helping you to choose a smart coaching niche and launch your coaching business with confidence. Hey, coaches, I am so glad that you tuned in for this episode. And if you are new to my podcast, I'm delighted that you are following me now. I hope you love the podcast. I hope you come back for more. And please do share this podcast with other newish coaches, those people at their first three years of building their business. This episode is on a pretty challenging topic, actually, and it is critical for all coaches. It's part of the Smart Mindsets and Habits series. I have been a lifelong student of boundaries, and that's to say boundaries have been a core issue for me all my life, and now it is much less of an issue, I'm happy to say, because I've really worked on it over the years. These days when I sense myself leaning in too far, trying to do too much to people please or over deliver, I am able to rein myself in most times. I'm a two on the Enneagram. That's the helper. What could be more perfect, right? More than anything, I want to be of service to others to help them better their circumstances and I must say, being a two on the Enneagram is a pretty good fit for being a coach. At the same time, any strength overused does become a weakness. So it's something that I have to watch. And in the past, it has often meant that I gave way too much in all of my roles and relationships. I allowed some people to step on me repeatedly. I don't do that anymore. What about you, though? Do you like to fill in the holes and make sure that everybody is taken care of? Do you find yourself to be a natural helper or people pleaser? A whole lot of coaches are. And here are some more specific questions I want you to ask yourself. With coaching prospects, do you find that you bend over backwards to prove your worth in discovery sessions? Do you ever reduce your fees just to suit the people who you're trying to enroll? And with coaching clients, do you habitually go over time in sessions? More than five or 10 minutes, you're, you're going over 30 minutes or an hour. Are you charging enough to cover your investment of time outside of your sessions? Because it's not just in our sessions that we serve our clients. We do a lot of things before the session and after the session and to go out and get our clients to build our programs and do all those kinds of things. Early on in my business, I attended an International Coach Federation conference and I met Cheryl Richardson. I don't know if you've heard of her. Cheryl and I have been in coaching for about the same amount of time, about 20 years she was asking a group of coaches, do you want more for your clients than they want for themselves? And that question was like, bam. It was a big aha moment for me. And of course, my answer to that question was yes, always. I learned from Cheryl, thank you, Cheryl, that ultimately your client must choose transformation for it to happen for them. They must want it with all their heart. 
with their mind and be willing to take action outside of their comfort zone. If you want something for them more than they do for themselves, it creates an imbalance in the co-creative relationship. And the reality is you're going to be pushing them and they're going to resent that. Later on, a friend of mine created a training based on years of research that she did that was called Right Use of Power. She has an institute uh, about this right now. And I attended one of her first workshops, and that also was a huge aha for me. When you are in a practitioner role or some sort of authoritative role, some sort of helping role, that role carries a certain amount of power. Now, hopefully as coaches, we believe that we are our clients' equals, that we're not above them. But even so, our clients may hold some sort of deference for us and to us. They may put us up on a pedestal, which is a pretty uncomfortable place to be. It's really up to us as coaches to do our best to equalize the power in the coach-client relationship. And this requires a lot of self-reflection and a lot of self-awareness. You might be kind of surprised that the answer to balance the power is not to give clients more, more of your time, or to make it easier for them by taking some of their responsibilities onto your own shoulders, like giving them discounts. Those kinds of things actually increase the power differential. And they do something to you too. You're inflating your role and deflating your own power. And that's not good for anybody. So the answer is actually to invite your client to stand in their own power. And you do this by making their role clear as the coachee from the get-go, as the person that you are serving as your client. You want to help them to stand firmly in their role while you stand firmly in your role without inflating or deflating your power. Basically, I call it being right-sized. Treat your prospects and your clients as responsible people, people who are creative, resourceful, and whole. And that means that you need to be charging fees that pay you well. Do not discount your fees just to enroll a client. That is deflating your power and inflating your role. Don't let people go over time because basically you are the holder of the time boundary. Set and maintain time boundaries for your sessions and for all the things that you do with and for and about your clients. If you notice that you're about to go over time in a session, The best thing to do is to acknowledge it with your client or with your prospect and to say something like this. I notice we're getting close to our time boundary. We do need to wrap things up. How would you feel about going just five minutes over time so we can wrap it up in a good way? And that way they notice that you are honoring their time boundary. You are respecting your time boundary and you're setting a new time boundary and then you need to stick with it. The other thing is that you want to hold your clients accountable. You want to hold them accountable for paying their fees on time, showing up to sessions on time, 
being fully ready to coach with you, doing their own work in between sessions. And don't do any work for your clients on their behalf unless that is explicitly part of your program. Part of my program working with coaches is to do copy editing for them. And so that is part of my program. That's explicitly part of my program. To know if you are right-sized, the best thing to do is to learn how to notice what it feels like when you overinflate your role or deflate or inflate your power. It takes a little practice, but you can pick up these skills. I'll tell you, the practice of doing that has made me a better coach. It's made me a better colleague. It's made me a better partner. It just really helps your whole life if you learn about this dance of power. Now, if you clearly show prospects and clients your boundaries early on in their relationships, you're going to have a much better chance of having a mutually satisfying relationship, the kind of relationship where they are empowered. They are taking leaps, big leaps. And they're excited about the work that you've done together. They'll give you a great testimonial. They'll send other people to you. Phil McGraw, the guy who's known as Dr. Phil, said, we teach people how to treat us. I think that's so well said. I don't, I don't know actually if, if he was the first to coin that, but it is credited to him. It is so true when it comes to prospects and clients. We teach them how to treat us. We are the ones that hold the boundaries. And hopefully then they will follow suit and hold the boundaries too. With prospects, you know, potential clients, that's really as simple as holding the time boundary on your discovery sessions as much as possible. And also by not stepping into the coaching role in that session. As far as I'm concerned, until a client pays you, or unless there is some explicit understanding that you're in some sort of a pro bono relationship with uh, someone, you don't step into the coaching role until you are paid. And so my suggestion, and I talk about this in episode 19, is that your discovery sessions are not sample coaching sessions. Instead, they are a get-to-know-you conversation where you'll assess fit for working together. You're going to ask them some powerful questions. They're going to get in touch with what they really want. You're going to understand what they really want. You're going to understand what's been in their way. And then you're going to be able to apply that to your signature program so that they can see the connection between what you do and what they want and what's been in their way. I think you should be really transparent about what this discovery session is and never imply that you are going to problem solve or do any coaching in that session. So whatever language is on your website about it or in emails, you want to be sure you're crystal clear that this is an opportunity for me to get to know you, ask you some questions, find out more about what you really want and what's been in your way to get there. And to share with you how I work with my clients and how I help them take leaps. At the end of that discovery session, you're going to be sharing your signature program with them. And then you're going to share your fees and you need to stand proudly behind them. 
give them an orientation at the beginning of your first session. Now, I'm very lucky, I have to admit, because my clients are coaches, they really know this territory well. They know the territory of, you know, what the coaching role is, what's their responsibility, what's my responsibility, all that kind of stuff. And so I don't have to be quite as explicit as you will need to be with your target audience. So you want to have an orientation. You want to set some ground rules about the roles. And it can also be about how you handle cancellations, how important it is for them to show up on time and do their work in between sessions and and how uh, you'd like their help to hold the time boundaries. You will send them a session prep, ideally, before they meet with you. In that session prep, they're going to set the agenda for the session. You want to ask them to show up really truthfully with you, giving you feedback, not hold back with details that would really be helpful for you to know in order to coach them well. If a client of yours fails to bring a bite-sized agenda that they can get a takeaway in that session, then it's good to take the time to illustrate for them what a bite-sized takeaway or agenda is, what it means to the coaching session, why it's useful, and why it is their role to do that. Sure, you can always help them to set an agenda if they come to a call and say, I just, I don't really know, you know, what I want to talk about today. Well, then you can kind of think about what their overarching goals are and what milestones they've completed so far and what the milestones are that are yet to be completed. And you can suggest some options for bite-sized agendas. Now, all these things are kind of small in and of themselves, and yet they really set the tone powerfully in your coaching relationships. And still, if you do everything right, if you're holding your boundaries powerfully and and you're lovingly telling your clients, you know, what their roles are and all those kinds of things, there are going to be tests. There's going to be some red flags that are indications that you have inflated your coaching role. So how can you tell if your boundaries need fortifying? And this is particularly with your, your coaching prospects and clients. So there's four things. First, if you notice that you feel desperate to enroll a client, that is a big red flag. That desperation will deflate your power and you will be tempted to inflate your role by taking on responsibilities that are not yours, such as discounting your fees for someone. The second thing is, if you notice that you're feeling overwhelmed by a client's energy, by a client's way, then those are indications of a couple possible things. One is that you might need to make some sort of request to your client. For example, I had a client who her voice was super loud and she she talked really fast and it it was her way and that there's nothing wrong with that, but I found that it was just super overwhelming to me. I couldn't hear what she was saying. And so I just had to admit to her, I'm having a little bit of trouble because I apparently have a slower pace than you do. 
you're talking much faster than I can hear what you're saying and talking a little bit louder than I can take in. I'm going to adjust my volume on the phone. And I just would like to request that you talk a little more slowly. And then I will try to meet you on the other side. I'll try to speed up my pace just a little bit. And that way you're not making anybody wrong. You're just asking for what you need. So often when I have said something like that to a client, they have no idea that that's what they're doing and they actually don't want to be rushing, rushing, rushing. So sometimes I have started doing a grounding meditation at the beginning of the session with those individuals. Just a moment, uh, doesn't have to be long. Maybe it's as simple as taking three deep breaths and inviting them to get into their body, to actually feel their feet on the floor, feel their, their butt in the chair, you know, feel themselves relaxing and letting go of the day so that we can be fully present with each other. And I find that that's not only helpful for them, but also helpful for me. The other thing that might be going on here is that the client may not be a good fit for you. Maybe you said yes to them when your intuition clearly said no. I have done this a number of times with clients. It's important to listen to your intuition. So if you're having a discovery session with someone and you're getting clear signals that they're not a good fit for you, then it's really important not to take them in as a client. The third thing that might be happening if your boundaries need fortifying is that you feel emotionally tapped out after you finish a session with a client. Again, that client may not be a good fit or you were over delivering somehow. So it's always important to look at yourself first, look at what you can control and you can control a lot. If you have been over delivering somehow, then you have inflated your power possibly to prove your worth, it's really important to get right-sized. Stand in your power, hold your boundaries. This is not about you proving your worth. When you coach someone, the whole idea really is for you not to perform, but rather to connect, to use your powerful questions, to help your clients self-reflect and make their own decisions, make their own leaps. You could also try an energetic disconnecting exercise. I'm going to have a link to that in the show notes. The show notes for today are prosperouscoach.com slash 29. The fourth thing is that if you notice you're beginning to feel resentful towards a client or towards the time that you give a client or that is a big red flag that you really have inflated your role while deflating your power. Take a look at it. Was there some moment in time where you maybe enrolled this client at lower fees than you wanted to charge? That you gave them more time than you actually wanted to give? That you have been over-delivering in some other way, picking up the slack for them? So you can see a lot of repeating themes in everything that I've been saying. This isn't really a complex issue. It's actually a very, very simple thing. Only some people are going to be ideal coaching clients for you. And it does take time being a coach, having services for fees, 
for you to fully realize what makes you a good fit for them and what makes them a good fit for you. If you have ever developed your avatar, which is basically a description, a very detailed description of your ideal client, then you're probably in good shape here. You know who you're looking for. And obviously, the perfect person may not always arrive in your discovery session. And you'll have to decide what are the deal breakers? What are the things that will have you saying, yes, let's work together? The ultimate boundary is to say no. Doesn't matter whether it's with your coaching prospects or your coaching clients or some other relationship or situation in your life. No is the ultimate boundary. If you do find that you have to say no to a prospect, do it in a really honoring way. Take it a little bit onto yourself. It might be that you say something like, I feel strongly that I'm not the best resource for you. And fit is really critical in the work that I do with my clients. I've learned over time that I've got to listen to my intuition and to be an integrity. I have to sometimes not take on a client, even if they want to work with me. And then if you can have some coaching colleagues or other resources that would fit this person that you can refer that non-ideal person to. Because who is non-ideal for you is not always non-ideal for someone else. If you are struggling with boundaries, if you're feeling a lot of anxiety in your work, if you're feeling like you're over-delivering a lot, if you are not able to really hold the time boundary, not able to hold the money boundary, those kinds of things, and you need support, consider grabbing a strategy session with me. Sometimes it's just really helpful to have a sounding board, someone who can help you set the best boundaries for you. It's different for everybody. What's good for you isn't necessarily going to be good for someone else. I hope you've really enjoyed this session. If you have, please share it with other coaches. And the next episode is how to transition from your job to full-time coaching. I've been having some interesting conversations with people who have certain notions about what that moment in time looks and, and sounds and feels like. So I really want to address this with you. Stay inspired and make things happen. I'm so glad you tuned in to Prosperous Coach Podcast. Please share this episode with other coaches. And if you're listening on the iTunes podcast app, review this show. Joel Bass did my theme music. Thanks, Joel.